The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections, and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, Hi there, Catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to a special Friday edition of the show on what women and other wonderful humans want. We meet a New York-based dominatrix who has traveled the boards of stage and gone into the dungeon from Pandora's box to the less dead studio. It's a journey you're going to want to listen to. Miss Ada Vaughn is a professional dominatrix with over five years of experience in sensual, safety, and psych-informed BDSM. She provides her devotees sacred space in which to explore and develop their fullest, best selves. Mentors and events in New York City, London, LA, and Greece have inspired her kinky creativity when she's not at her home dungeon, the Less Dead Studio in New York's Hudson Valley, with events and classes starting in June of 2022. Miss Ada Vaughn on what women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. First time you ever set foot on a theater stage and your feelings doing so. Oh my goodness, you're going way, way back here. First, first, first. Um, first time I set foot on a stage, you know, that must have been, uh, well, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with kindergarten um, when we had to do like these, um, recreations of scenes like little skits and um i actually was at five years old i was put into these red three inch stiletto heels that were way too big for me and i was made to run around a table like made up as a bed it was like a biblical story or something i know i know <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Quite the pipeline, right? Um, we've got a couple there, you know, religious education and theater kids all culminating in a dominatrix. But anyway, so um, <laughs> that's always kind of the story I've been told, you know, I don't explicitly remember it from the inside, but I do know something clicked because I was on stage for decades after and, and here we are still performing all the time. So let's go to the first time you ever set foot on stage as Miss Ada Vaughn. Ah, okay. That's a different question. <laughs> the first time I set foot on stage as Miss Ada Vaughn would be when I started to find myself within this industry and community. I had begun as Lola. Um, you know, kind of finding myself. And after a couple of years, it I knew I wasn't going anywhere. Ada emerged and I felt powerful and self-assured in a way that I hadn't before. First time you set foot in a dungeon 
with a client Mm -hmm. and what was going through your mind? (laughs) It was at the legendary Pandora's box in Manhattan, New York. Um, We went into a darker room with dark wood furniture and a rack over in the corner and a cage I could stick him in if need be. Um, But we went right to the CBT chair and I was a little nervous. I always get those pre-show jitters, you know, as a performer, I think it's only natural. Um, And I was just excited to see what was going to happen. I had met with this guy in a hotel before. And so I sort of had an idea. He was a very intellectual type. So it was like, all right, we've talked theory. Now let's put it into practice. (laughs) First time you had an inkling that Ada Vaughn might exist. First time you thought maybe this dominatrix thing could be something. Mm -hmm. I can tell you exactly. I was uh, working foot parties, foot fetish parties, and also in New York City is where I got my start, where I was mentored. Um, And so while I was there, guys would ask me to do more dominant things. And I never thought I was a sadist, but I was asked to kick someone in the balls. I was asked to sit on someone's face while wearing leggings or whatever. Um, And I was like, you know, I feel like I could definitely get used to this. There is something here, as you said. (laughs) First time you saw yourself in a picture or looked at yourself in a mirror and said, this is what I was destined to be? Mm. Again, I had done a photo shoot at, oh, no, I'm sorry, at um, the Parthenon, not Pandora's Box. And so also known as NYC Rubber Studio, run by the iconic Ariana Chevalier. Um, and so I was doing a shoot with It's Kinky Bomb, um, fiance and photographer to Sybil Troy and she and Madam B and a few other ladies were hanging out in one area, kind of helped me get ready. Um, and it was my first latex shoot. I was all shined up, you know, I got some experts on hand. I figured why not go for it? And those photos standing there in that dungeon, um, and then seeing the results just being greater than I, I could have thought was really satisfying. Miss Adavon has had an amazing journey as a performer and a professional dominatrix in New York City. We will talk to her more about that journey, including two very important statements, who I am and what I do when we return. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes, Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. Hi folks, Key Barrett here, and I've got a question for you. Do you think your wife or girlfriend makes the best decisions and you want to support her any way you can? Ladies, do you think your partner works best when they're told exactly what you want. You both might be looking for a female-led relationship. From mild to wild, these strong relationships have one thing in common, satisfaction. Read Surrender Submit Server on Audible, Kindle, and Paperback today to start your female-led journey, and good luck. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. 
What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. Imagine if you can go back in time and learn about your body and how to embrace your desires without fear. How would the rest of your life be different? I would like to know how to not feel so guilty. It's okay for women to take ownership of their health and their pleasure. Knowing where the clitoris is, is knowledge. Knowing where your own clitoris is, is power. Somebody's dad is gonna watch that and go, huh? <laughs> not to sound like a broken vibrator, but pleasure is not a nice to have. It's a need to have. I'm having a good time by myself. I'm having some good sex now. I'm so happy for you. I gotta go. No. <laughs> Where's my car coming? Sorry. The star and the executive producer of the Netflix hit series, The Principles of Pleasure. Next time on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Welcome back to the program. John, also known as Hi There Catsuit, joined by Miss Ada Vaughn who has on the front page of her website two very important statements, who I am and what I do. And I like to examine those. The who I am says, born on the vernal equinox, I am a powerful force of nature, both as woman and fetish mistress. An extensive background in theater has honed my natural presence and brings a dynamic flow to my scenes. Elegant and versatile, this German Jewess has high standards and accepts no nonsense. That is very much a brand statement right there. I Tell okay, me, John. <laughs> that was, that's amazing. So you were born on the vernal equinox. Now I'm trying to remember which one that is. That would be spring. It just happened. Oh, uh, belated happy birthday. Oh, why, thank you so much. We are in Aries season right now. I am a zero degree. Bam, as soon as it happened, I was born. And, you know, I was on vacation this year over my birthday, and it was just the break I needed. I came back feeling rejuvenated and creative and ready to go. You have an extensive background in theater. Tell me a little bit more about that uh, past the kindergarten in heels <laughs> running around a bed, which I think just kind of set the whole stage now, didn't it? <laughs> I mean, if you want to know something about me, that's a <laughs> you can learn it from that formative experience right there. Um, so I suppose that only continued. I um you know, I'm a girl who loves attention and I can acknowledge that. And so we kept on stage. I was a dancer, I was a singer, I was gonna be a Broadway star. And uh, even up through college, I was a theater major and linguistics minor, because um, that plays such a part in, in all things storytelling, which is, really what draws me to the theater most of all um, and the connection that we as humans find there. Uh, it really enables deep dives into many different topics, many different areas, uh, and even through different media. Theater can mean many different things. Uh, so let's just say my favorite little fun fact is that when you're in a theater, and the show is just going perfectly. You know how you feel like you're in that zone and everyone is on the same page? The audience's heartbeats all align while you are watching that show together and having those reactions together. And that is what humans have been searching for since the beginning of time, since before recorded history, we have been telling each other stories and connecting this way. And so I, had a professional bump in third grade. I worked with the New York State Theater Institute. I did an audio recording. Um, it just always 
really compelled me and called me back. Um, and here we are. I was, uh, you know, in school for theater at SUNY New Paltz, quite close to New York City. So I would commute for auditions and such like that. Uh, and so I found the foot parties that I mentioned. Um, my performance found a new venue and here we are. The concept of heartbeats beating as one. To me, that sounds somewhat like the perfect scene mm. when that perfect sync happens. Mm -hmm. Describe when that happens to you in a scene. Exactly. I love that you picked up on that. I think a big, perhaps the biggest part of what I do is following the flow of a scene in order to get us to that space where we can find unity, um, which is not always easy going to meet a professional or clients per se. You know, it is always nice to connect with people over a different time, but I, I will admit I kind of pride myself on being able to, to get to that place, figuring out people's buttons and just how I can push them to get what it is that I want from the scene, you know, which is a very similar directive to when you're acting. It's all about objectives. It's all about getting what you want, listening to and looking at and feeling the energy of your scene partner, which is, it's the exact same lingo. Um, so that's, that's like my flow state. That's my best meditative highest self moment is when we're flowing just like that i have heard studies and i've mentioned it on this show many times that when it comes to improv men and women think about approaching the scene differently tell me more men get the suggestion or the problem and it is a straight shot to the solution or the end. Women get that same gift, suggestion, problem, and they do a 360 degree turn to see everything that is around them before deciding whether to move forward or to the side or even backwards a little bit to be able to find the most interesting journey that they can go on. Mm. If you think of that in terms of just pure sex, men get the problem and we know what the solution is. <laughs> Women realize that it's the journey to get there that is so beautiful. So in this connection that you have, Let's talk, we'll talk about the guys wanting to get off part first, and then I'm going to circle it back. How do you take someone on a journey and allow them to appreciate everything along the way, rather than a guy who's like, yeah, this is just basically what I want. <laughs> it's a great question, because I have had both, you know, um, that's kind of why I went independent as a dom as soon as I could, because what I found in those rooms and lounges showing people my feet was the beauty of the connection. And I didn't want to just be a laundry list dom, just bing, bang, boom. Okay, we did what you said. Um, you know, I'm a director. I'm a producer. It's all about the whole experience, the production value, you would know, you know, <laughs> it is. I sometimes have to tell guys to let go a little bit of what they think they want. Because if they're holding on to too much control, if they're too specific about what they think they want or need, it's going to get in the way. And I have had sessions where they just never clicked in. Some guys, you know, it just, the fantasy isn't there as you thought it would be. And other times 
yeah, they just know what they want and they head on their way. But my favorite sessions are definitely when someone can revel in the anticipation to allow me to drench us in sensuality and intimacy and prolong the excitement that way. <laughs> That's way more arousing to me than having my genitals touched. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? <laughs> so taking it back to people, and I will say like me, who are in the scene for those moments, for the connection, for the ability to take me out of my mind and put me in a beautiful place where I don't have the choice of where I'm going to go. I am placing my absolute trust in someone else. Mm -hmm. When they place that trust in you, in that kind of a connection, how different is it for you? Oh, it's entirely different, Um, you know, because I don't, I don't do what I do as just going through the motions. And so when someone else is giving back as much as I am in the scene, it, I think it just makes it better for everyone, not even just personally, but it makes me feel better. It allows me to push that person better because I can trust that they will call their safe word and tell me something is off if they need to. Whereas a lot of time, you're right, we don't get to that place. And it always ends up being a little more superficial to some extent, you know, not that it's not fun. But it is, it is different. There's that special something that you and I both crave. With keeping privacy in in view, mm-hmm. is there a story that you can share with us when that connection hit and you went, wow? Uh, just one. <laughs> I know there, I'm sure there are a few, but uh, oh. share a couple with us if you'd like. Sure. Well, just off the top of my head, um, Recently, I had a pain slut by who hadn't been hit in a while. And so we decided to really take our time. I had a few hours and he knew this was the deal. So it was in the evening, which is always lovely because I have huge skylights at my dungeon, which is gorgeous. But just a sexy, intimate setting. I had a red light on, you can picture it. And I warm him up. I'm swinging different whips at this guy's back and his behind. And my one bull whip, I don't know what it was, but I got this perfect flow and he was taking it as good as I was giving it. And I was able to keep it slow and painfully delicious enough to make him ask for more. That quite like, felt like quite an achievement. That, that was a wow. That was a wow. Especially because I don't get to practice as often as I might like. So it's really nice when that sort of thing happens. You have identified yourself as sadistic and more and more sadistic as time goes by. From the sadist side, what is the flow that goes through you? Is there a certain adrenaline that comes from inflicting certain pain or is it a brain process that says, if I can tell this story and bring it to here, this will allow me to take it there. Mm -hmm. In other words, is it a story or is it just a rush? (laughs) That is a great question, Mr. Katsu. Um, I would have to say that 
it's some of both, which is part of why I emphasize that I was able to do it slowly enough to where we were able to reach that point because I do get a rush. I do get adrenaline and it motivates me. It feels wonderful, uh, but a lot of that does come from having gotten us to the place or being able to do the thing because they're allowing me to, even though it's unpleasant for them or whatever else. Um, yeah, that sort of victory, I suppose, is what I find particularly yummy about it. <laughs> I had an amazing scene last Friday with a wonderful woman named Ginger Snap, who I had seen do rope scenes that just made me totally in awe. Mm. But I also know that she enjoys impact. So we negotiated a scene and I said, I know you love using your impact toys. Let's do an impact scene. You can put, uh, you can have your rope part if that's what you want, but I want you to be able to explore the kind of things that you enjoy doing. And she knows that I am still a neophyte when it comes to impact. But for some reason, every time somebody plays with me, they're like, you took that. Mm, <laughs> and okay. I don't, uh, so I, I think I'm becoming a masochist as, as we go. <laughs> but here's the beautiful thing that, that Ginger Snap did. And I think you hit it on the head right there. Going slow. Yeah. The pace that she did, because this scene went about an hour and 15 minutes. And it never stopped. Constant impact of one type or another. Going highs, going lows, these beautiful energy waves. Wow. And I totally got lost because there was so many different types in so many different paces mm. and so many different sensations that by the time it got to the end, I was exhausted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it wasn't because she had beaten the hell out of me. Now, the reason I bring that up, most guys who would see fetish porn are thinking, they just beat the heck out of you. That's all they're going to do. <laughs> they're just going to beat the heck out of you. But the fact is, the story that you tell with your implements is where the great ones begin. Mm. That's beautiful. Absolutely. What are your favorite implements to be able to bring a person to that wonderful place? Mm. I love this question. I love playing mind games to some extent. I like to be able to use my sensuality in a sort of counterintuitive way. You know, I could be taking down your ego, but it sounds like I'm flirting <laughs> because of the way I word it or because of the tone of voice. And that certainly helps. <laughs> I mm -hmm. also love bondage. I think it's quite effective. As I even say to people during scenes rather, um, rather often, I don't need these cuffs or these straps or whatever, because we both know that you're not going anywhere, but this physical manifestation of my control over you is gonna help both of us get through this. So that definitely helps. I just got some suspension equipment in that I cannot wait to start playing around with both of those aspects, you know, it gets rather intense. Um, and what else? Yeah, I, I like using whatever is gonna give me the best reaction from my sub to some extent in terms of what they like. Um, I am a bit of a service top to the extent that I do really like to know what genuinely gets my submissive off because I'm gonna use that to my advantage. Mm -hmm. Is there one instrument of sadism that you like uh, you talked about your mind but is there one particular implement mm -hmm. that has surprised you 
in the way you can use it and how much effect it has. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> any, of course, anything timed well is the best, but I, at DomCon LA last summer, I found this amazing crocodile tail whip. I believe it's from Zimbabwe. Hmm. And the control on this thing, it is about four feet long, but from like the first time I picked it up, I was throwing it beautifully within a couple of tosses with some instruction um, by the creator, um, the man who was selling them. And that was another time that there was a little click. You know, the first time I used it on someone, uh, it was kind of that standard impact from behind sort of thing. And the next time I, I laid someone down and was like using it a different way, uh, it, I can also make great sounds with it, which was probably one of my first discoveries uh, <laughs> as to the effectiveness. I have made someone call their safe word just by cracking the whip next to their ear enough times and <laughs> the fear play involved in that and talk about being exhausted the adrenaline and how much they were shaking when i really was not touching them much at all it's it's fantastic <laughs> the role of the voice in a scene the role of what words to use and what words not to use. Is there some sort of, lack of a better term, handbook that you have in your head of things that you know will be able to take people in certain directions? Absolutely. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's, you know, the standard kind of what you might find in the table of contents there's you know almost like you would think of hypnosis there's like the takedown stage you know certain things to get things in the mood i like to have everyone kiss my feet at the beginning of every session to get the dynamic going properly even if they're not into foot fetish especially if they're not into foot fetish to get the dynamic going properly and have them where i want them and then there's glossaries as well. You have, you know, a different appendix for every fetish. There are certain words or phrases that might be triggers um, for fetishes that I play with more often or people that I have had more dialogue with. Uh, that really helps me tap those buttons just as I like to, which is, as I said, just the best part for me. So... <laughs> I hope that answers the question. What is your favorite sort of costuming for scenes? Because I have heard some wonderful doms say, it's not about the costume, it's about what's inside and not even what's inside the costume, but what's in here. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, they are correct. That was a really good learning moment for me. I was following, I was on Twitter is where I, you know, still hang with most of my kinky spears mm -hmm. and a mistress firefly uh, was consistently posting photos where she had no makeup on. She was like out in the farm, you know, with her horses or something and then coming in to do a session just as she was. And that was, incredibly inspirational to me because especially as a performer I have always used costumes and wardrobe to help me not only enhance but also inform my performance and so when first you know getting into okay what is my dom persona is going to be what is the aesthetic what do I want to utilize most um, I've always been a materials girl but I, I didn't really deep dive into that until I was already comfortable being who I was and taking sessions that way. I do think that is very important. On the other hand, <laughs> I love getting quality materials that require specific care 
uh, and our investment pieces, such as my love for latex. Uh, she is a finicky mistress, but will treat you oh so very well. Um, <laughs> I love leather, all the classics, but I think really my stiletto heels are the biggest factor for me. As you know, I started as a foot dom. And so that has always had a, a nice special place in my heart. And uh, I always have to, I slip those heels on before I go answer the door and then Ada is there to greet you. How much of Ada is in the person outside of the dungeon and how much is the person outside of the dungeon in Ada? It does go both ways, I think. I am, I very much embody Ada. Generally in my life, I am running things. I am the one responsible for logistics and happenings and all the everything <laughs> mm -hmm. in my everyday life. Um, but she is also just a facet of my fuller self. And, you know, I have done other work where you kind of, I like to describe it as my whole being is the rough stone that you carve out of the ground. It's your diamond, but it's not all shiny and pretty yet. And then you can see the fracture lines within it a little bit. That's going to determine how you can carve it and cut it, but you still have options. So if I carve and cut it one way, it's going to shine and sparkle in this particular light. And that's Ada. And so I could shave off other things. I could always enhance other aspects of myself um, or lessen them. You know, I am a pretty good chameleon in life in general. I, I don't love small talk, but I can basically get along in any situation that I'm thrust into. And so I think that's just always been a skill I developed to get through life to some extent. And it has served me well in developing a larger brand, as you put it. And when we come back on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky, we will talk about the What I Do portion of Miss Ada Vaughn and also about renewable resources when we return. Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom but had no idea where to start? Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports, no, not the jet ski kind, and you really want to fulfill their fantasy, but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. Realizing that you're polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. The Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites and how to make a profile that works, real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find polyam people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should, dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com. This is Tanya Tate. And have you listened to my podcast? Tanya Tate presents MILFs Making Money. I share a whole lot of positivity, tips and tools on how myself and other women in the adult industry make money on premium social media platforms. If you want to hear me interview many different guests, then get yourself over there, milfsmakingmoney.com. And you can also search my name, MILFs Making Money on all of your usual 
podcast platforms. And if you enjoyed listening to What Women Want podcast, make sure you get yourself over and subscribe to my podcast, milfsmakingmoney.com. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. And welcome back to the program, joined by Miss Ada Vaughn, New York City professional dominatrix and performer. In this day where we're talking about carbon neutral and renewable resources, one of the things you have on your website is an amazing truth. Your time is not a renewable resource. Correct. And that's very important when it comes to being a pro-dom because every minute counts. How do you communicate with folks to make sure that they understand that? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people who just basically go, well, I'm paying for your time. So what we do with that time is up to me when it's not. (laughs) That's correct, John. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely agree. Obviously, Uh, as you can see, I put it right out there from the beginning, from who I am. I take no nonsense. You know what I mean? I Like you said, the time is not a renewable resource. I cannot get that back. I am an introvert and I am very selective with whom I decide to share my energy and where your attention goes, your energy goes. And so starting off in this business, I was getting quite drained far too often because I was giving too much of that energy to people who weren't giving back. And even things as simple as asking for logistics in planning a session, You know, I now have a rule, unfortunately, with most people, I have a rule of only asking one question per email, because that is how many questions I will get the answer to in response, no matter Mm -hmm. how many I put in the email. And if someone's not giving me the information I ask for within three emails, then I'm not going to respond anymore. And it did take me a while to get there as a professional, as an entrepreneur, um, running a solo business. It's really scary. And I've seen friends and colleagues go through it as well. When you first get started feeling like you have to be there all the time, constantly, every day, giving all of yourself and more, not missing any messages. Whereas, you know what, they'll still be there when you get back. And if they're not, then they're not the right clients. So, you know, (laughs) sometimes I have to play not so nice Dom and put my foot down if someone's lingering a bit too long after session or whatever else. Uh, And, you know, very rarely, but on the rare occasion, someone has made me uncomfortable to an extent where I didn't feel comfortable continuing, then I end the session. I do not have to give of myself when my rules are not being followed, which is something that I hope every woman will start to feel more naturally. I feel like that's been socialized out of us to some extent. So getting that back was really valuable to me. Those are the difficult truths about being a professional dominatrix or just being a regular person that (laughs) your time is not a renewable resource and you need to make the most, not only for others, but taking the time for yourself. I'm learning that the hard way after 35 years in television, working pretty much 24-7, 365. And now that I have a job where I can go home at five, I'm like, oh, this is what it was like. (laughs) (laughs) It's rather different, huh? It's absolutely different. (laughs) So we talked about who I am or who you are and now about what you do, because we talked about that very specific thing about time and and the things that you need to be able to do what you do. But then there's this beautiful statement in your bio. I hold space for people to be vulnerable and explore desires or curiosities 
they likely do not reveal to the world at large. I give fellow adventurers judgment-free, safety, and psych-informed opportunities to allow their deeper selves time at the surface. That is beautiful, number one. And number two, when you walk into one of those spaces with that vulnerability, magic happens. A hundred percent. You're absolutely right. And thank you, John. I appreciate that. It was important to me. I, that came to me one day, you know, at first I thought maybe, oh, I'll write a blog. And then I just, just that bit had to go front and center because that is at the heart of what I do. Uh, and I'm rather open about my career in my life. Many friends, many of my family members know. Uh, and that has also really helped people connect and understand not only what it is I do, but why I am doing what I do and why I stay in this lifestyle. Because um, that's, that's just all of it right there, you know, is you know, these days, uh, safe space has been kind of like, <laughs> I don't know, um, <clears throat> there's like a connotation mm -hmm. applied there, you know, we're, we're all a bunch of snowflakes who need our safe space or whatever. But like, honestly, if you're being real with yourself as a human, everyone needs that release valve. Mm -hmm. We all need something where we can de-stress, just get our mind off of everything. And as you said, just stop worrying. You know, that's another thing I like to say when taking people down is I'm going to make everything very easy for you. You don't have to think, you don't have to make any decisions. You are just going to do as you're told. And sometimes that's just what people need. I had the funniest thing happen to me today at work. <laughs> uh, young woman who I've worked with, she was actually on my team for a while, was saying, I'm, I've always been curious about this podcast you do. And I said, well, if you were ever to listen to it, you'd know a side of me that you may not be comfortable knowing because here, I, here I'm catsuit <laughs> and your coworkers don't necessarily know what a catsuit is. Right. But... <laughs> Uh, I, I said, yeah, I, I don't tend to share it with people. I'm more than happy to answer the questions about it. And she goes, it's an S&M podcast, isn't it? And I went, <laughs> where did that come from? Hmm. And she goes, I'm right, aren't I? And I'm like, yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> and she goes, and I'm guessing you're submissive. And I went, yeah. And she went, interesting. <laughs> wow. And the reason I mentioned that is you talk about the fact that you're out and open and you're, you're very confident in that. And I've gotten to the point where I'm starting to get out and open about it. I mentioned mm -hmm. to you before we started, as we're taping this, I'm about to appear with Casey Carter on her YouTube show yes. and that I'm going to be appearing with Jean Bardot on her YouTube show. And it's like, okay, I'm going to be out there now. Yeah. <laughs> There's no <laughs> hiding anymore. And that's a beautiful thing for me. Mm. When you feel that, when you genuinely know that in your heart, just how freeing is it? It sounds like, you know, you're getting to a point where you can speak to it yourself. It is, it is everything to me. I, you know, I don't have many vanilla friends, you might say, uh, because this is who I am. And, uh, you know, I have mistress written across my knuckles. Mm -hmm. Like it's, <laughs> it is not a part of me that I am going to minimize for anyone's comfort generally speaking um and you know that doesn't mean of course i'm going out and being obnoxious or rude <laughs> or domineering because those things do not equal dominant mm -hmm. you know it um i came to this world when i was in recovery 
I had been in rehab for hard drugs the year mm-hmm. before. And I was, when I got sober, I was unable to be dishonest with myself or others anymore. And in the hunt and the, you know, the maintenance of my sobriety, I, I keep to that. I, all my submissives know that my top values are honesty and communication, you know, for both the benefit of our scenes and also just everyday life. If people are going to be in a long-term relationship with me, I am going to make them better than when they found me. And I think that most adult problems could really be solved with those two things. Um, So I'd say it's perhaps the most freeing thing you know, again, like it does limit some things. And I I am hesitant. I'm not saying I'm always comfortable with it. I do hesitate with, you know, talking to my health professionals, things like that. You know, you have to kind of feel it out. Um, Hopefully sex work will be less stigmatized in the future. We are getting more discussion about it, a little more media attention. So Fingers crossed, I am a big advocate for full decriminalization of sex work. Um, Just for that, just for the same reason, because I want everyone to have what I am privileged and blessed to have in my life with that freedom. We've been talking for about 45 minutes and you just brought up the recovery. You also have mentioned that you're an introvert. Mm -hmm. These are things that, to me, show that you understand what the other side is about. The part that you can't control. Mm -hmm. The part that takes a lot out of you. I don't know what brought you to that point of feeling like, those hard drugs were the answer. I'm sure what brought you to the point of it's not going to be the answer anymore and you having to to take that courageous step and you say you're an introvert. (laughs) That's hard for me to imagine, especially with as comfortable as you are talking today. What was the turning point that made you say, it's time for me to take control of this? I will acknowledge that I am very lucky in all of these areas of my life. I have come as far as I have because I have amazing support systems and people around me who refused to let me fail and to succumb to my darkness as you put it, there's, we all know those demons to some extent. And I was lucky enough to get a catalyst. Um, I was put into inpatient rehab. So I was forced to get sober and stay that way for long enough that I realized I had to learn to love myself because I, you know, I grew up in the spotlight, right? I always felt great about how I looked. I could put on a great front. Everything's fine, right? No, apparently those things do not equate to having good self-esteem and actualization as a person. So I finally got around to doing that when I stopped using the drugs and hindering my own growth, because just chemically in your brain, when you start using, you basically stop maturing. And so waking up, um, that was that was the thing. I was reading, I was like reading some fantasy book too. This sounds so cheesy, but it was like the thing that everyone wanted because you gave you power, you know, it was like this magical stone or whatever. It, it, turned out to be the the thing that brought the hero down you know and I just had to realize I couldn't give power to those things anymore I had to find my power within myself 
And I had to forgive myself for all of the fucked up things that I had done. Um, and it made me a much more gracious person, uh, not only to myself, but to everyone. I have a much better time now giving people the benefit of the doubt. You know, you never know what someone's going through and uh, just, just trying to be kind as much as possible in the world. What's the one thing Ada now would have told Ada back then? This is why they pay you the big bucks. <laughs> mm. Ada would have said just that. I would have, she would have said how resilient I am. She would tell me that I'm going to make it through. And that right now, <laughs> I just had my 30th birthday, and I really am just the happiest that I've ever been. There was a point when I didn't know if I was going to live this long. I, I never even thought about retirement accounts or long-term careers because that wasn't part of the plan. Um, so there, you know, now there is, there, there are things to live for. There are things worth doing and you just got to get off your ass and do them. <laughs> and as we record this, your space, the less dead studio is about to have its first anniversary, but I would also guess that with everything that has gone on for the past few years, <laughs> you're about ready to have its coming out party. <sighs> exactly. You know, you're too right. I tried to do a little thing last year, but just surges and holiday weekend and emails going into spam. It just, it did not happen. So <laughs> um, yes, we are definitely ready to celebrate. Not only do I want to have events at the space, but I am looking to start hosting classes and workshops as well. I already have several other professionals that have agreed to do some magnificent things at the space. Um, I have been debating doing some community type events um, because I am based in the Hudson Valley. Lestead Studio is in Poughkeepsie, which is like just 60 miles north of the city. We call it upstate, <laughs> even <laughs> though there's a ways to go. Uh, but, you know, not everyone wants to have to drive a couple hours to feel kinky community. So I really, really hope that I can bring this to this area and give us a place to explore that more. Maybe some, you know, recovery groups for kink friendly or industry type people, you know, um, whether it's 12 step meetings or whatever else I have, you know, rope teachers and other techniques, things that I'd love to bring in that I don't necessarily have expertise in, but you know, it's not just about me. I want this to be for all of us. So in closing here, I would say who you are is a survivor, mm -hmm. a warrior, and a teacher. And what you do is you make a difference. Mm -hmm. That's Thank a pretty good life there, Adavon. <laughs> I really am so grateful to be here. And thank you for putting it so beautifully. You know, who would have, who would have thought? <laughs> here we are and things just keep getting better, huh? What an absolutely beautiful and unexpectedly poignant episode of the show. Ada Vaughn has had such an amazing journey to get to where she is. And I can't wait to follow to see where she's going. It will be an amazing story, that's for sure. And next time on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Imagine if you can go back in time and learn about your body and how to embrace your desires without fear. How would the rest of your life be different? I would like to know how to not feel so guilty. It's okay for women to take ownership of their health and their pleasure. Knowing where the clitoris is, is knowledge. Knowing where your own clitoris is, is 
power. Somebody's dad is gonna watch that and go, huh? <laughs> not to sound like a broken vibrator, but pleasure is not a nice to have. It's a need to have. I'm having a good time by myself. I'm having some good sex now. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. <laughs> I gotta go. No. <laughs> Why's my car coming? The star and the executive producer of the Netflix hit series, The Principles of Pleasure. Next time on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.